Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, the Hawks did what they could. I wonder if Terry and Arthur control the quarterback decision and we'll have thoughts on the Super Bowl. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Land into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, trying to grow to 6,000 subscribers on our page. Leave us a comment as well. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites. Download us for free there. Roku and Amazon Fire. Yes, we are available on those platforms as well. Check us out there and then give me a follow at JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. Well, we didn't get a whole flurry of activity from the Atlanta Hawks. No really big moves and things like that. But let me start with the 35,000-foot view of what the Hawks did yesterday at the trade deadline, okay? They didn't get worse on the court. They got better on the court. They added some depth, and they didn't move any of their key pieces, okay? So, a couple of trades for the Hawks yesterday. They traded Sadiq for uh, Sadiq Bay, and they traded for a couple of guys from... Uh, for from the Houston Rockets, Bruno Fernando, Garrison Matthews. Okay, so that's the three guys that they picked up: Garrison Matthews, Bruno Fernando, Sadiq Bay. And I'll talk about all these guys in just a second here. They gave up Justin Holiday, Frank Kaminsky, and a total between the two deals of seven second round picks. Now, let me sidebar for just a second here. Did you notice that in the NBA with all the trades and everything like that? Did you notice the one theme is that how little value teams put on NBA draft picks? Could you imagine seven second round picks being traded from one team? And by the way, the the Hawks, the seven second round picks, they were Atlanta's picks. They were Golden State's picks. They were Oklahoma City's picks, right? That was just a sidebar that it was funny. Teams so little value draft picks in the NBA draft, whether it's first rounders, second rounders, it doesn't matter. They have so little value for that. So let's get back into it, okay? So what did the Hawks do with trading the two players away? Well, they traded a, a couple of guys away that didn't play very much. And more importantly is, and I know folks aren't going to like this, they saved some cash. They, they saved some money and put a little bit more distance between where their you know payroll number is and the luxury tax. Now, that may not be important to you, and I understand you know and all those things, but I do believe that that was one of the goals is to create some separation between where they were at and the luxury tax. And they were only $1.9 million away 
from the luxury tax. And again, we've talked about they're going to go in the luxury tax. Their payroll is going to escalate. DeAndre Hunter, even Collins, even Young, all these guys are going to escalate. Clint Capella, and that's if they don't trade anybody or do anything. And then the bogey thing and all that stuff. They also didn't get worse on the court. They added some depth. Listening to Landry Fields last night talk about this after the good victory that the Hawks had versus the Phoenix Suns, 116-107. He was talking about the idea of, you know, adding versatility, adding depth and things like that. So they got a few players that they can put in their rotation off the bench. None of these guys are going to start unless there's injury to it. But he added more depth and more versatility to the roster. So they saved themselves some money. They were, by the way, the draft picks that they gave up, all those second round draft picks, they would sell most of those anyway. Like literally sell them for cash because that's what you do in the NBA. A lot of times teams will sell their draft picks off for cash considerations. Like they don't pick a guy and all that stuff. They just sell the pick and don't make any kind of selection. So they would have done a lot of that anyway. So now you just kind of parlay this into, okay, we were able to pick up some big pieces, you know, or I shouldn't say big pieces, but but some definite pieces that could help us out. Now, Sadiq Bey is an interesting player because, you know, he had a 50-point a game, I think, earlier this year or, or late last year or whatever like that. He's a guy who can score. He came from Villanova, obviously one of the best programs in the country from, from a college basketball standpoint. But he's a versatile guy. He's got some size. He's probably a better offensive player than DeAndre Hunter. Maybe not as good defensively, but he can hang at least out there. I'm going to put it like this. With the lack of stepping up and stepping forward that DeAndre Hunter has done this year and his game kind of being stagnant. Could they look to move him or anything like that in the offseason? We'll, we'll, we'll get to that point a, a little bit later on. But the Hawks did what they had to do. They weren't going to trade for Durant or some big starter. They weren't looking for a starting player. And, and I don't think that they wanted to trade for right now any of their real assets. Now, the whole John Collins thing, we heard rumors about that the Phoenix Suns were interested until they made the Durant deal and this, any other. Okay. The blue check Mark media has told me for three years that John Collins was going to get traded. All right. I'm not saying that they haven't explored that possibility, but they're not going to give John Collins away for free. They're not just going to dump him in a salary dump move. They may get to that point depending on, you know, how things work out in the off season and such, but For now, they're not in salary dump mode. They still want to be a competitive team. They still want to be a team that is better on the court. So did they, at the end of the day, okay, did the Hawks get better today, now, than they were yesterday from an on-court product? Yes. Adding Sadiq Bey, Bruno Fernando, and the other kid that they picked up too, um, Garrison um, Matthews, you know, last year he started about half the games. I think he had about 35, 36 starts, whatever. Like that. He hasn't started this year. 
you know, he comes off the bench. He doesn't provide a whole bunch of scoring punch, but he has played in the league for a little bit and he has a little bit of starting time and different things like that. So compared to a Frank Kaminsky or a Frank Kaminsky or a Justin Holiday, you know, Fernando Bay and Garrison Matthews will be an upgrade to what those guys are. And it doesn't really cut into, you know, as much as A.J. Griffin or Jalen Johnson or guys like that. And I do believe that A.J. Griffin will see a bigger role just as fatigue of the season sets in, just as, you know, trying to get him more in the rotation. I, I just think that there'll be some natural progression to give A.J. Griffin a little bit more minutes. But from an on-court perspective, the Hawks did what they had to do. They got flexibility, they got financial flexibility, and they got better on the court. That's what you got to ask of the Atlanta Hawks. They weren't going to go out and get a big piece, but at the end of the day, they got better as a roster in tow. I want to talk about my friends over at FanDuel. Listen, we're excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On. FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, we got a great deal going on for you. So listen, get yourself involved in betting on Super Bowl 57 and get the no sweat first bet. And you can win or you can get as much as $3,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So listen, FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money lines to prop bets to point spreads. Who's going to score a touchdown? It's a safe, secure, easy-to-use app. And best of all, you get your winnings instantly. So download FanDuel.com today. FanDuel.com and then put in slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. And you could potentially get, if that bet doesn't win, as much as $3,000, excuse me, in bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of Locked On. So I, I, I wonder about something that, you know, I was reading some comments from Arthur Blank, and, and we had Arthur Blank on our radio show uh, here recently. Um, you know, we're the home of the Falcons and, and, you know, he's doing the Super Bowl media tours and, and all that good kind of stuff. And I was looking at an article from my buddy, Mike Rothstein, uh, about, you know, Desmond Ritter and all that stuff. And, and they're excited. Arthur Blank said, quote, we're very excited about Desmond Ritter. I, I think from time to time, or I think from the time he came in to training camp, he showed great capabilities as a leader amongst his rookies and a leader amongst the vets. And then he went on to talk about the idea that they need other quarterbacks. You know, Marcus Mariota most likely is going to get cut, barring a miracle. Logan Whiteside, um, you know, they've got to upgrade at that position, okay? And then, you know, he talked about, you know, having a quarterback on a rookie contract and all this good kind of stuff and He had this quote, as good as the quarterback may be, and they're certainly a critical part of the winning formula, they can't play by themselves, and there are 21 other players that need to play as well. We're committed to the position, obviously, and we know we need a good leader there. I think we have it in Ritter, okay? Now, here is my thought about this. Is Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot really in charge of what the direction of the quarterback position is going to be for the Atlanta Falcons. 
So here's what we know. Okay. And, and maybe past predictors is a, you know, pointing to future things and stuff like that. The whole Deshaun Watson conversation and, and the idea of trading for Deshaun Watson, that didn't come from Terry Fontenot. That didn't come from Arthur Smith. They were going to play with Matt Ryan for one more year and then get out of the cap purgatory and all that kind of stuff and, and not take nearly the hit. They were going to play with Matt Ryan for another year. That was an Arthur Blank call. And don't get it confused. That was all Arthur Blank that wanted the Deshaun Watson trade to happen. That he was he was the one guiding the Deshaun Watson trade. And I say that because what makes you think that Arthur Blank isn't looking at making a deal for a Lamar Jackson? even if it means going against what Terry Fontenot, what Arthur Smith may want to do. And they may be on board and all this kind of stuff. I mean, they may semi be on board, you know, oh, we got to upgrade at that position and things like that. But while I understand that he said that, you know, he was a leader and all this, that, and the other, and we're committed and all that. Look, Marcus Mariota is not going to be here. Logan Whiteside may or may not be here. Who cares if Logan Whiteside is here, okay? Uh, at, at that point, who cares about Logan Whiteside? And, and I do think that at the end of the day, I'm not for the Lamar Jackson trade. I'm not for giving up all those assets and things like that. But Arthur Blank was in the business of going after Deshaun Watson. And we all knew going into this deal that the asking price first and foremost, was three first-round draft picks. You can't, you couldn't even have the meeting with Deshaun Watson unless you came with three first-round draft picks that you were willing to part with. And then, obviously, you had to sign him to a big contract. Now, I'm not comparing Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson from the situation that they're in, but the asking price and compensation for Watson and Lamar is probably going to be pretty comparable. The idea of Lamar Jackson turned down 160 to 180 million guaranteed. If you believe what they what the reports are, if you believe those reports, he turned down 160, 180 million guaranteed because he thought he should get a Deshaun Watson deal of 200 or or more. And if Arthur Blank was willing to do that, then Arthur Blank's also willing to make a move on Lamar Jackson as they're out of their cap purgatory. They have assets. They were willing, you know, if they were willing before, because you couldn't have the meeting with Deshaun, they were willing before. Are they willing now? And, and I I just, maybe I'm reading a little bit more into Arthur's comments and things like that. Arthur Blank's comments, pronouns, pal. You know, what his comments are. You know, yes, he said he was committed. Yes, he said he's a leader and things like that. But you could have said, and, and I, I understand the competition thing, and Arthur Blank's probably not going to say this at, at any point, that, yeah, he's our unquestioned starter going into next year, okay? I just wonder that if Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith are really in control and have the keys to the car when it comes to driving the quarterback conversation, because it was an Arthur Blank move, to go after Deshaun Watson, 
It backfired on them because they thought they would have Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot. They thought they would have Matt Ryan for one more year, and then they would move on from Matt. And then Matt said, well, if you're going after Deshaun Watson, I don't want to be here anymore. And he facilitated the trade to the Indianapolis Colts and all that. So that was their plan that Deshaun Watson became their first plan because of the owner. Their second plan was to play with Matt Ryan. That all blew up in their face. And then they had to, you know, scramble and you get Marcus Mariota. And and I don't know that they would. I I still think they would have drafted Desmond Ritter because you would have drafted a young guy. But I just wonder if Arthur Blank is really the guy that's controlling the keys to the, you know, in the car. That if Arthur Blank isn't the guy, he was going to do it last year with Deshaun Watson. Does he do it again this year with Lamar Jackson? And look, you can argue about all the reasons why and why not. You know, we need Lamar Jackson. You can argue about the amount of capital and things like that it's going to take. You can argue about the amount of money that it takes, right? All those things are all valid points. I can understand the pros and the cons. I'm on the I'm on the con side of all of this. But at the end of the day, the decision is not mine. And, and I don't know that, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that it's Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith's decision. Arthur Blank is at a point where he wants to get bold and, and he's looking at winning a Super Bowl. You know, he talked about in the uh, in the article from Mike Rothstein, the idea of, um, I think we're in a very good, very good position uh, going forward. I think Coach Smith and his staff have done a remarkable job over the last two years, transitioning the roster from what we had and the vision that we have and building for the future. And then he said about expectations, quote, my expectations in terms of competitive uh, competitiveness would be higher. And I think that the coach will tell you that Terry will tell you that. And if it's higher, that should translate into more wins, but you're not in the business of really projecting wins. Now, here's what I read. Is it maker again? And I've talked about this before. I don't think it's make or break for Terry and Arthur. I, I don't think if they're out of the playoffs or anything like that, that it's make or break and they're all going to get fired. Okay. But I do think that they have to be, with a winning record. I do think that they have to have a winning record and show that this franchise is moving forward. Now, again, you know, you don't need many more wins to get a winning record. You, you, you win two more games, you're nine and eight on the season, right? And, and that's what Detroit was. And, and Arthur Blank is not one of those guys that's going to sit back and just kind of wait for the whole process to unfold just because, you know, it's the way things are. Look, he's looking at it as, He's what 80 years old now. He wants to win a Super Bowl. You see, Jacksonville went from three wins to nine wins, won their division. You see that the Detroit Lions, they got, you know, they they traded their franchise quarterback, got a Super Bowl quarterback in return, and then they addressed their offensive line in one draft, addressed their defensive line in another draft, and voila, they're nine and eight. So I don't think Arthur Blank is going to just sit back and let a lengthy process play itself out. And especially at the quarterback position, you know, he spent a lot of his tenure with Matt Ryan and he watched it as when he bought the franchise, what was the first thing they did? They moved up to number one in the draft. 
to go get Michael Vick. Very first thing. In fact, Arthur had to get the blessing of the Rankin-Smith family or uh, the, the Smith family to make that kind of move because it was happening as the transition was happening. He had to get the blessing to go up and make that move. And they picked Michael Vick, number one. And then the Michael Vick era, and obviously, you know, the the good and the bad and everything like that. He ends up in prison and all that kind of stuff. So Arthur lived with watching Doug Johnson and Kurt Kittner and then Byron Lefwich and Joey Harrington. And then they hit the, the jackpot. They hit the lottery. Thomas and those guys draft Matt Ryan with the third pick of the draft. And he becomes the franchise quarterback. He becomes the most important player in franchise history. So I question whether or not Arthur and Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot are really driving the conversation about what the quarterback position is going to be. If Arthur Blank showed you that he would go make a move for for uh, Deshaun Watson, I certainly think that he will make a move for um, for Lamar Jackson as well. I want to talk about my friends over at Built Bar. Listen, Built.com is the place to go. Everybody's trying to get themselves in shape, eat healthier, all that good stuff. I'm trying to do the same thing, right? So you're looking for, when you're talking about your snack foods and different things like that, low sugar, low carb, low calorie, but high protein. Well, Built Bar's got everything taken care of for you. Whether you want traditional protein bars, whether you want the protein-infused marshmallow puffs for a little different taste and texture, Built Bar has got you covered all the way through. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, uh, brownie batter, uh, all the different flavor, double chocolate, coconut puffs. They got all the cookies and cream. They got all the different flavors available to you at Built.com for you to pick through, whether you want the protein bars, whether you want the marshmallow puffs. But now, besides going to Built.com, you can go to Walmart in the pharmacy section, or you can go to Sam's Club and pick you up a box of built bars right then and there. So if you don't want to go the you know route of online shopping and all that kind of stuff and I'm a brick and mortar guy, right? When I I want to go to the store and put my hands on it, you can go to Walmart and Sam's Club now and pick you up a box of built bars. Go there today, check it out or do it the traditional way of going online and going through all the different flavors as you're looking for the snacks that are 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. Built.com or go to Walmart, Sam's Club, and pick up your box of Built Bars today. So thoughts on the Super Bowl as uh, we get ready for the game on Sunday. You know, I, I see that this is going to be a game much like the Super Bowl from a couple of years ago that the Kansas city chiefs and when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hooked up, that it was a game that was dictated by the defense. Yes. Brady and Gronk and all that good kind of stuff. And the chiefs were missing a couple of offensive linemen, which is not the case this year, but I look at a game very similar that the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that game were able to put a lot of pressure on Pat Mahomes and create a lot of chaos and get to him in the backfield and just wreak havoc on him and make his life miserable. Well, we know that the Chiefs and the and the Eagles 
are the two top sack teams in the NFL. The Eagles with 70 sacks. They come after you. And so I, I look at this as being a game very similar to that Super Bowl from a couple of years ago. I think the Eagles front and their ability to get to the quarterback <clears throat> and their ability to get pressure on Pat Mahomes, and obviously he's not going to be 100% healthy, right? I mean, we certainly know he's still dealing with the ankle and things like that. Even after a couple of weeks and all that kind of stuff, still, it takes longer than that when you're talking about trying to you know heal up a high ankle sprain and all that good stuff. But I do think that the Eagles defensive front is really going to dictate the way that this direction of the, of the game is. And, you know, on the offensive side for the Eagles, you know, they were the fourth best rushing team. They had the fourth most rushing yards in the entire of the NFL. They had the most rushing touchdowns of anybody. And I saw a stat that it was very interesting that the Eagles played 10 games against top 15 run defenses. Now think about that. They had 10 games, well more than half their schedule, when they faced top 15 run defenses in the NFL. So they are battle-tested. They have offensively had a lot of success. Jalen Hurts, you know, we saw last night, Pat Mahomes was the MVP. Jalen Hurts was the second guy uh, for the MVP. By the way, do yourself a favor and have a little bit of fun, okay? Since I always do all the stats and all the work for everybody. Start with 1978, okay? And look at when quarterbacks are the MVP of the league, okay? Start with Terry Bradshaw in 1978. When the quarterback is the MVP of the league, look at where those teams finish, okay? The vast majority of the time, it's the Super Bowl or the conference championship game, okay? And a lot of those guys win the Super Bowl at the end of the day. But go look at where... Go look at where from 1978 on where quarterbacks that win the MVP finish playing the last game of the year out there. But I, I do think that the Eagles will find success in the running game with Hurts, with their attack. I do think that this game will be dictated by the defense, that the defensive front and the defensive pressure that the Eagles get on Mahomes is going to be too much. I don't think that this is going to be the shootout that some people – I uh, think it is. I think the point spread is in the 50s and things like that. I don't know if the scores get that high because I just think that the Eagles defense will be able to dictate a lot of things. And look, you know, this winning formula, outstanding quarterback play, outstanding offensive line play, outstanding defensive line play, right? That's the that's the formula that wins all the time in the NFL forever and a day, right? You get those three things, right? And I just think that the Eagles are, are better, I think they're a better offensive line. I think they're a better defensive line. And maybe they don't have the matchup in the quarterback, but Hertz is having an outstanding season and very capable. And he's run that offense really well. Where do you see the contract he's gonna get, huh? Where do teams, you know, where will that number comes uh, up for everything? So, but I just think that this game still comes down to the Eagles defensive front against the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. And you saw late in the Bengals game that Mahomes' ability to kind of run around and scramble around was certainly, you know, not there. You know, at the start of the game and you're feeling good and your adrenaline's up, but as that game wore on, he became less and less mobile. And I think that's going to be the formula. It's going to be similar to the Buccaneers and, and Chiefs 
Super Bowl from a couple of years ago that the defensive front of the Eagles will dictate the way this game is played. And I think they just put too much pressure on Pat Mahomes. And I do think that the Eagles win this thing. I'm, I'm saying like 23, 20, somewhere around in that range, maybe 27 to 20, but I don't think it's going to be over the 50 and things like that, that a lot of people are expecting. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck where your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available uh, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get all of your podcasts from. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com and put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button. Be a part of our community. Trying to grow to 6,000 folks, so hit that subscribe button. Be a part of it. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your favorites from. You can download us for free there. Roku and Amazon Fire, we are available on those platforms. Check us out there and then give me a follow at JMCH316 on my personal Twitter page. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll check out what the Super Bowl uh, looks like this weekend. We'll be back on Monday. Hitting hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 